You're listening to Clever Women Co., our podcast where we chat about all things business, career, and entrepreneurship. I'm M. Kaplan, and I'm joined by my business bestie and co-host, Gal Cron. Hello. On this podcast, we ask the big questions so that we can really delve into the brilliant minds of the people you want to hear from. Listen closely because every episode is so different and full of insight, you might just walk away with that one tool or piece of advice you need in order to take that next step in your journey. It's the conversations you wouldn't find anywhere else, so let's get into it. On today's show, we chat to Elise Greer, director and head writer of copywriting supergroup Bossy Copy. Elise has been a writer for as long as she can remember and a paid writer for over a decade now. In 2016, she barged her way into copywriting, bringing her witty, conversational and, at times, smart-ass writing style with her. She went on to create Bossy Copy when she didn't even truly know what copywriting was. Bossy is not your average copywriting agency. They use strategy, psychology, and creativity to develop unique voices and personalities that humanize brands. With many job titles, Elise now splits her time between crafting brand voices, writing creative copy, hosting the Bossy Type podcast, teaching Bossy Copy College, and she also has strong feelings about exclamation marks. But let's hear all about this and more from Elise's perspective. Elise, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Good intro. Thank Thank you. <laughs> Just trying to summarize a few of the many things. Yeah. That yeah. It's a long intro. Yeah. I'm glad we're here. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> we we've, we've had a bit of a morning. <laughs> a few technical difficulties. I think it might be me. I'm like cursed with technology. No so way. So just blame me. No. I just don't. Yes. It, it just. Oh, I'm still recovering everyone. <laughs> She's not going to speak for the next hour. Yeah. Just, just for some context, girl may or may not have misplaced our SD cards, which is very not like her. But yes, that's why I'm also like so frazzled because I'm like, I don't misplace things. I, yeah. I'm like ready. I the, the most ironic thing is I was so prepared this morning. I even sat in the car like reading news articles, like Always ready to go. Way. Everything was pl- like I always pack the day, mm. the night before, like I make sure all my things are in my laptop bag. And it's funny because the SD cards ended up actually being here in the podcast <laughs> room, but I went all the way home and I looked everywhere and I flipped the mattress and I looked in between the creases of the couch oh, everywhere. I'm not kidding. I was sweating. Oh, I went in, oh back into gosh. the car. I call M. I'm like, M, maybe check my makeup bag. Maybe it's in there. And... There you Lo go. And Spoiler alert. <laughs> and then I get into my car and I put the the air conditioner on like full max Aww. because Aww, I was stressed. Sweating. Well, we I feel like it. I feel like Em and I have already recorded a podcast yeah. like in the lounge room. Just yeah, chatting. seriously, we've been chatting each other's ear off. <laughs> it's good. It's uh, good. We'll have to save some of it for yeah. the yeah. listeners. Save some stories. But yeah. thank you for being patient with me. My pleasure. <laughs> no, I get it. I lose everything and I have so many technical difficulties, so I'm all good. Your laptop story, I can't. Yes, I left my laptop on the plane. That's just like one of many stories I have. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just a bit of a chaotic person, so I get it. So Elise, let's get into the pod. The first question we love asking guests is, what are you currently reading, listening to, or even watching right now? Mm. I kind of hinted at this earlier because we were talking about being locked in rooms. And oh my god, <laughs> that's a story for another day. I actually for- forgot all about that. Subscriber content. Um, no, I really, I'm a bit of a basic bitch when it comes to reading. I either read like a personal development or a business book, 
or like a thriller novel. Mm. And it's weird because I actually went off reading for years, even though I'm a writer, but I think it's because one, I always like analyze the writing too much. Like I'll like read the sentences and think about, oh, that's weird that they use like that punctuation or like, oh, they've said that in a really nice way. And then I have to reread the page 10 times. Oh, life of a copywriter. Yeah. Yeah. So that would really bother me. But also like if I'm writing and reading all day the last thing I wanted to do is come home and read yeah, books that makes sense. but I've noticed like just last year that I think I need to read like a scary book that grabs me on the first page mm. so yeah I kind of rotate I'm actually reading a business book that's called well it's not really a business book it's like a money book and it's called you're a badass at making money mm. um, I've never heard of that yeah it's like a series like a you're a badass mm. series oh, okay. um so that's quite good and then I'm reading another scary book about a lady being trapped in a room. <laughs> That's my nice escape, oh my you know, gosh. unwind with a scary book. Just for context, Gull and I got oh my God. locked into our podcasting room on Monday when we, after we were recording, the door handle, the hinge came out of the door handle and it was locked from one side but not the other. So we, we were saved later in the day, but we were stuck in the room for a yeah. few hours. I yeah. went to the door and I'm like, Emma, I don't think we can get out of here. <laughs> I thought she was joking. I yeah, I thought I was joking. I was like, surely it's going to open in the next try. And I'm like, no, wait, I think we're stuck. Oh, my gosh. So the fact that you're reading a book to do with that is like giving us mild trauma. Yeah, it's kind <laughs> yeah. of like I'm getting a bit claustrophobic, actually. <laughs> do you want us to open the door? No, that's fine. But yeah, I love to, um, I think books are good because you can like escape, but I definitely love reading like personal development. In terms of podcasts, my favorite podcast is a personal development podcast, kind of like mental health. It's called The Imperfects. Oh, uh, yeah. Have you heard love, of it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I love listening to people's stories i love the deep mm-hmm. um yeah i've always loved hearing people's like fascinating stories so yeah. they're two that i probably listen to the most yeah and just back to the book that you're reading of you're a badass for at making money at making money yeah. i feel like that brand tone really aligns with yours so yeah you're like into the book. i think maybe yes yeah, it's actually very on brand for me, that book. Yeah. Um, but I had heard it was really good. So I was like, I'll just give it a go. But yeah, now that I'm back into reading, I'm just kind of like buying books left, right and center. Mm. So yeah, it's kind. Of, she's also got an interesting story about kind of like clawing her way back after losing all of her money. And she just gives you like mm. little strategies and tips. I wouldn't say it's like the deepest book in the world, but it's um, written in a really fun kind of like approachable way. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of like what the sort of book that I would like to create yeah, yeah which is what you want when you're reading that kind of like if you're reading something to do with money or finance like mm. it, you want to make that yes. fun, it's a bit of a dry topic exactly yeah it's a lot more palatable than mm. most like finance books yeah. yeah amazing well Elise we'll get kind of into the depths of your story I know you said that you like hearing about other people's stories mm-hmm. but we're excited to delve into yours today so please take us back to, I guess, the beginning. What do we really need to know about your childhood, upbringing and teenage years in order to understand who you are today? Mm, I really like this question. It's funny because I feel like my life is like the opposite of all my Melbourne friends who went to private schools and like grew up in Melbourne because I'm from the Gold Coast. Mm. Um, so I grew up in Burley Heads, which couldn't be more different to Melbourne. Um, my high school was like across the road from the beach it was like a little bit more cash a bit more loose we had like kids bringing their surfboards to school and (laughs) so when I talk to friends here I'm like your school life just seems so different to mine 
Um, I think as a kid, I've always loved writing. I've always had like a crazy imagination um, and being really creative. So I've always written stories. I was always like playing make-believe games. And I think that's definitely something that's kind of like translated to my work today. Mm. Always had like crazy dreams and nightmares, just like a really vivid Mm. imagination. Um, And then when I was in high school, yeah, my school was definitely very casual. It was kind of like puberty blues kind of life. You know, I was always at the beach, always riding my bike, always with friends. I think school when I was there was also a little bit different to here. Like it wasn't I feel like when I talk to people that went to school in Melbourne, it's like year 12 is so serious Mm. and it kind of like takes over your life. But it wasn't really like that. Like we all had jobs and it was just a little bit more cash. Um, So, yeah, I always wanted to do something to do with writing, but I didn't really know what that was. Mm. I didn't know if that was like being an author Mm. or um, as I got a bit older, maybe more like magazines. And so, yeah, when I finished school, I ended up, enrolling into journalism but I was mentioning to you and before that I listened to Gemma Watts's podcast with you guys and it was the same thing like journalism when I finished was so hard to get into and I didn't get the marks to get in so I enrolled in communications and then kind of switched over after a year yeah I remember she said the ATAR was really yeah, high for that really like 99 yeah. yeah um so we had like a different scoring system but it was still like equally high like I was like I don't think this is gonna I'm gonna get these grades and so yeah I just found like a roundabout way to get in but when I went to uni it was like in the, in the stone ages there was not even <laughs> blogs like <laughs> blogs didn't even exist yet it was just like tv radio and newspapers so I really thought I would eventually go down one of those paths. Yeah, that's so interesting you say that. Do you feel like you're – do you feel quite disconnected from Gen Z? Because that's like – there's quite an mm. age gap there. There's such an age gap and it's just like a different life. Like I remember at uni we had a subject called New Communication Technologies and it was like we learned about what a blog was and that was like the very wow. first blog – And I remember my blog was like brown with spots because you could only pick like between like five different color palettes. And we would go to our lecture and learn about like a blog and then we'd have to like write a blog in our tutorial. Like it's just so ancient. Mm. So and so funny considering I ended up like becoming a blogger as it kind of took off. Um, But yeah, it's just wild to me, even like the, the social media thing. Like obviously we didn't have that either. We had MySpace like maybe when I was in uni. What memes? Yeah, such memes. So, yeah, it's just like a different ball game. There was not as many options with writing as there are today. Yeah. Yeah. I remember also doing a subject at uni called like writing for online publishing or whatever. And I was like, what's WordPress? Like, (laughs) it was just like such a new, because like in school, we didn't do anything to do. Definitely Even kids in media weren't learning that. We were learning how to like edit a photo maybe yeah at at most yeah and even when I was at school we didn't really I don't know if it was mainly because I was at a public school or it was just like the time but we didn't even really have like really in-depth subjects like the subjects were all pretty basic it was Mm. you know biology or English or dance or there wasn't really like media or anything like that to choose from Mm. um so yeah I feel like the options were just a bit more limited so it was like if you wanted to be a writer you went to uni and you did journalism Mm. and then you wrote for a newspaper yeah that was pretty much it 
But it's so cool for you because you've really seen the, the, like kind of the whole growth from point yeah. one to now of like yeah. how the industry has evolved. And, you know, like from it's funny because I just saw recently on one of your um, captions, you were like, I could I basically write. And you said we just spoke mm. about this off mic, but yep. you're basically writing a blog post every single time you write a caption for mm. a for an Instagram tile. Like little yeah. did you know all those years ago what kind of that idea of a blog would eventuate exactly yeah and I think also like if you did journalism then yeah it was either tv radio or newspapers and it wasn't super creative Mm. so I think I've managed to kind of like fuse the two together I've still been able to do the writing but I've been able to bring in the creative element into it which I like because yeah like I said that was always my thing yeah Yeah. do you think maybe it wasn't as creative because by the time you would work in, you know, TV or radio, you're probably not like in your early 20s or like kind of Mm. a bit younger and more creative and have that flavor. Maybe. Maybe it's because it's the older generations that were kind of working in those jobs. Yeah, I don't know. It's just so funny. It was just like a lot more traditional journalism. Like I basically just studied like media law and Mm. like, you know, Mm. how to write for a newspaper or how to present if I was a breakfast TV reporter, like just things that w- I wouldn't have been considering doing for a job. Um, but yeah, even all my like friends at uni would be like, you know, the only things that they were going on to do would be like TV or they were going to try and get a job in a newspaper. It just wasn't mm. as many fun, you know, there was magazines, but we didn't even study magazines. Mm. So there just wasn't as many different fun options or pathways yeah. you could take like mm. there is today. Yeah. Right. So do you think that's kind of why I want to kind of understand what actually attracted you to copywriting? Cause you said, obviously you're, you're quite a, quite a creative kid mm. and then you were exploring different options. Like what actually made you choose yeah. communications? and then go on to be like okay copywriting is kind of where I'm meant to be well like you said in my intro I had no idea what copywriting (laughs) was until I started bossy like literally had no idea um and I feel like I kind of taught myself like I've never worked in an agency I've never worked at a copywriting studio before um I think when I finished uni two months after I finished uni I moved to Melbourne um partly for like a change but then partly to have more opportunity because same thing it wasn't really like many opportunities that there is today but there wasn't as many creative opportunities there when I finished uni so when I first moved to Melbourne I just got a job in retail and that's where I kind of took a sidestep I was always writing and always doing blogs I remember I used to write for this platform called two threads which if anyone's listening, they would have to be like 100 years old to remember it. But um, it was like a very first blog platform and it was kind of like a blog spot, if anybody remembers Mm. that. Um, But they would pay me like not much money, but I would write a blog a day and I would go to Fashion Week and I would report on that. And then I would pick up little jobs like editing magazines or um, writing my own blog with some friends, which kind of like that took off a little bit. So I always had the writing on the side, but I've always had this pull between like clothes and words. Yeah. So yeah, when I first moved to Melbourne, that's kind of where my styling career went. Um, And so I was basically half styling, half writing until I won my Westfield job which was like the dream Mm. job that I won and so all through my 20s my yeah my time was really like half styling half writing but then also doing like presenting and doing complimentary things of that nature and Mm. I didn't actually even consider copywriting until I was like 29. Mm. Wow yeah 
You briefly also mentioned the Westfield Insider job that you got. Can you talk us through that? Yes. It seems so funny now because it was so long ago, but it was literally life-changing because I was working as a personal stylist for Sports Girl, earning like $39,000 a year or something crazy. (laughs) Um, And literally overnight, I had to quit my job. I was on like a six-figure salary. They were flying me all around the country. They flew me to London to do- How old were you? I was 23 when I won. Wow. So basically the whole process, I remember my friend at work being like, oh, there's this competition. And this was in 2010. So it was when blogs were really taking off. Mm. Um, She was like, you should apply because she knew that I did like styling, but also writing. And so I had to write a blog post, a 300 word blog post on like, I think it was trends on a budget or something like that. So I literally sent it off, didn't even think anything of it. And then it just snowballed from there. I got asked to have like a video interview and then another video interview. And then eventually I was in the final five and we all got flown to Sydney and had to have like a panel interview with like magazine editors. Like it was just so over the top. Um, (laughs) And also final five out of 1400 applicants. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, we found out if we were in the top three and then the top three got flown all over the country doing like live styling challenges and all sorts of things. And then the public had to vote for the winner. So no I remember just going ham with like campaigning and I worked <laughs> at Sports Girl, but I was like sneaking in flyers into everyone's shopping bags <laughs> to vote for that. me. And very creative. My mom on the Gold Coast was like going around asking people to put like flyers in the window. Like oh. we just went nuts. It also speaks of the time, flyers. I know. How <laughs> funny is that? So yeah, then eventually the public had to vote and I won. And so it was like instant. So basically, yeah, I had to quit my job straight away. I remember saying to them, can I still work at Sports Girl? And they were like, no. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I basically became like their official blogger and stylist and media commentator. So the whole thing was like get paid to shop and talk about it. So there was like a Facebook that I would post like my outfits on, which sounds so funny now. <laughs> there wasn't even Instagram. And yeah, they flew me to London to do a TV ad. I would do like video content. Um, there was so much variety. I would do beauty tutorials. I would style like live runway shows. I would blog. Um, I would do like street style content. So it was perfect for me cause it was that real mix of like fashion and writing. Um, and I was only meant to have the job for a year. And then I ended up staying for six years because wow. it kind of just like evolved by the mm. end. I was p- technically part of like the content team and I was more of a contractor, but that was a really great way to go about it because it meant when I did start bossy, I could just kind of like taper off that job. Mm. That is just unbelievable experience. Like you kind of had so many different touch points and you said you were there for six to seven years. Like Mm. imagine how much experience you would have left that with. Yeah, definitely. And even things like, you know, they, I had media training and things that I would never do in my normal life as like a writer um, having the variety, being given like so many incredible opportunities to travel and work at the same time. And so, yeah, I definitely learned so much and it just seems so funny that I like won a job, (laughs) but it truly was like really life-changing at the time. Yeah. Especially being so young. Yeah. You said you didn't really know what copywriting was just Mm. for people who might be listening, who still don't really know what that is or aren't in that industry. 
How would you explain copywriting? Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like traditional copywriting is designed to sell. So it's, you know, advertising, it's the copy that you see on a website. But because I'm definitely more of a creative copywriter, I've tried to take that like traditional concept of copywriting and make it a little bit more creative. So obviously you have like content as well, Mm. which is really meant to kind of like educate or entertain people. So that would be like your Instagram or your blog, whereas traditional copy would be more like sales focused. But I try and kind of blend the two together. So even if I am doing a website copy for someone, I kind of think of it more as like a creative writing exercise and I think about it as a blog. So I'm probably not like an SEO or a sales copywriter Mm. in that sense where I'm really technical. It's more just like I've basically taken my writing style from my freelance writing career, my blogging career and kind of like brought that into copywriting for brands. Yeah. So it's like you're kind of giving them their own voice or their own tone. Yeah, so tone of voice is also a huge piece of it. So like coming up with the character of the brand and like everybody would know Frank Body, that is like the best example of a tone of voice Mm. um, where it's like a character that is speaking to you through all of the copy and content. So a lot of the time we'll work with clients to like help them come up with that character or if it's a personal brand or a service provider, helping them like unpack their personality so they can like better communicate with customers. And then once their tone of voice is kind of refined, then there is so much copy to be written. Like your, yeah, your Instagram captions, your website, your packaging. Mm. There is so many words involved in a brand that people don't realize. So it's really just um, how can we use those words to either like sell to someone or grab their attention or connect with them. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say like, I feel like some people think copywriting is just blogs and things like that, but it's like your cereal box. Mm. Someone has to make the copy (laughs) for the box itself or your moisturizer that you're buying. Exactly. And I feel like it's definitely a roadblock that I've come up against because people either don't know what copywriting is. They think I'm the person that puts a little C on everything. (laughs) like always or I do like the piracy videos at the start of like (laughs) like first of all do they still exist um so yeah they either don't know what it is or even if they do know what it is they don't understand the value of it people are like you know well I can string a sentence together I can write why would I pay someone to do that for me and it's not until you really kind of dive into it a little bit more and understand what copy is and like you said like your moisturizer has copy on there. You think of go-to skincare. It's like a lot of people buy it because they love the personality and the words and the funny names. And that's a perfect example Mm. of like how copywriting can increase your sales or build a community. Mm. Because if that was just completely boring personality, including the branding, but also like the tone and all of the words, it probably wouldn't be as successful. Yeah. Yeah, But I think for your brand in particular, it funnels like your tone of voice funnels through to such intricate details such as your the way you email and like yeah. I don't see that very often in brands you literally speak the way that your brand speaks when you're yes. responding to an email like it's very mm. it's a bit cheeky and a bit like yeah. fun and like that's something that's really memorable yeah I think it's because for me a brand has its own personality it's like a person you know you think about your 
friendship group, there's always like a wild one or yeah. there's like a really mothery one or there's, you know, a really calm, holistic one. Or even think about like the characters in Sex and the City. They're all so different. <laughs> so a brand is exactly the same. If you have a really strong personality or a voice, that needs to be filtered through everything. It would be weird if you had like a really fun brand that had really fun packaging but then when you read their Instagram captions they're really formal and professional it Mm. just wouldn't really make sense so I'm all about like once you have figured out what your tone is really making sure that it's peppered through your whole brand all the way through your emails if a client's emailing you or their packaging once their order arrives on their doorstep or even like the email that they receive to say that it's been delivered and basically like putting a nice big bow start to finish like is your brand present through like every single Mm. step of the way Mm. it's so important as you said em it's so it's memorable if you do that like think of the meerkats and compare the market.com.au like you just you think of those characters exactly and i know that's more of an ad i don't know if that's in their entire branding but it's so memorable because of that exactly yeah and the the words that they've used through their ads are coming from those characters and it's all very on brand and now we associate that with those characters and I think if you can do something similar for your own brand that's what creates like a connection with people and they want to buy into your brand and they want to buy keep buying from you or booking you and I've noticed with Bossy like now that my writing style and the bossy tone of voice is kind of based on my personality. It's very conversational. It's a bit cheeky, but it creates a community because people don't feel like I'm a brand speaking down to them. Mm. It's like I'm on their level. I'm just another Mm. person that's like having a conversation with them. So people are a lot more open to like DMing me and we have conversations or they're more interested in enrolling in my course because they see the content that we're putting out. Mm. So I feel like it's just like one big ecosystem and you need to make sure that you're considering each part. How long do you think it took you to kind of figure all of this out? Because that's like a long journey yeah. progression of like... I don't know. I think, well, Bossy just turned seven, so seven years. Wow. Seeing as I didn't know Happy what copywriting was. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just kind of like evolved and like looked at things and tinkered with things. And I think I'm a big believer in yeah using your personality and using your writing style to kind of dictate your business Mm. because I feel like that's the one thing that separates us from every other person is our own personality and I don't feel like people use that enough Um, a clear example is a lot of people say when they book us you know I don't want to talk about myself on my website I want to talk about my customer and how I can improve their life but and that's great and it's definitely needed but I think if you just focus on that, you're not going to stand out because everyone else is yeah. doing the same thing. Like if you're a wedding photographer or an interior designer or basically anything that's based on your expertise or your craft, if you're just saying, you know, I'm a wedding photographer and I'm going to make you have the best wedding day ever, we'll have a great time. Well, that's based, that's literally, that's the (laughs) basis of being a wedding photographer. Like if you're not doing that. Yeah, that's like the bare minimum. (laughs) So I think if you're able to leverage your own personality and weave that in, that is is what's going to set you apart. So I think that was a big game changer for me, realizing that and injecting more of my personality into the brand and just thinking about, okay, well, how would that change the services that I offer or the packages that I have or the tone of voice process that I use um, and just 
tweaking things as I went along. So mm. it's definitely a learning process, very different to the bossy of seven years ago. But it's, it's really impressive because you don't use, I mean, aside from your, your courses aside, you don't use that much visual content in your, yeah. like on your social media, but your tone is so pronounced even yeah. through, uh, through your words, which is very impressive. Yeah. And I think every copywriter will be like nodding their head because my biggest like drainer in life is trying to think about like what visuals I can use (laughs) I'm like I don't know and that's why I was so happy when threads came out even though I've dropped off the face of the earth but (laughs) when that appeared I was like finally I could write a caption and I don't need to think about what visual or Mm. what image or graphic I'm going to use yeah um but yeah I do notice that my captions generally if I write them in a certain way that's going to either like tap into a pain point or connect with the audience or just make them laugh then that's the sort of content that gets engagement regardless of what the image or video might be yeah that's good for our listeners to hear that yeah what did your parents do for work they owned a business um, in the 80s they had like a timber business so I always think like when people say oh were you entrepreneurial I've only just had this realization that they actually did own their own business. So, and that was before I was born. Um, and after that, my dad was always in sales and my mom worked in a chemist my whole life. So um, I love my mom and dad. I'm very close to my family and I feel like they've taught me lots. Um, but I think what I do is definitely the most creative out of my family. So I don't really know where that came from. <laughs> mm. And like, it's interesting that you it's almost it almost seems like natural that you just kind of fell into business like you're as you said you're quite a creative person but like has working through all of the business side of things been a big adjustment for you I mean you're obviously seven years in now but that was obviously something that's not kind of maybe didn't come so naturally exactly yeah very good question because I feel like I am definitely more of a creative person And the business side of things did not come naturally to me. Like I'm not very good with like saving money. I don't really know like how businesses work or I didn't know how businesses work. So I've really had to try and figure it out myself. Um, And I'm really the only person in my family that owns their own business. Um, So it's basically just been trying to figure it out as I go along. And I think I was saying to you, Em, I've always been in business with my best friend. She has her own business, but we started around the same time and we've always shared an office. So I think having her, it's kind of like a business partner, but not. Mm. So we're usually trying to figure things out together as we go along, or she might learn something and then she'll pass the information on to me. So I think it's really just trial and error. Like there is so many things about like, your taxes and admin and all of that kind of stuff that definitely doesn't come naturally to me that I've just had to really figure out, but also leaning on like experts that Mm. do know and outsourcing to them if I need. It's so interesting what you said about like almost having a business partner because you're next to someone in the office. So often we speak to women in business who might be sole founders and all they want is just connection with other people in business to be Mm -hmm. next to because that also makes you creative exactly yeah so we've recently just kind of like changed our office space to invite more creatives in so we've got kind of like maybe there's 12 of us between like my business my best friend's business and the rest are just like solopreneurs one woman show like doing their own thing they're all in creative fields but not in the same ones so Mm. it's really great to be able to just like 
chat to them about things that I couldn't talk to my employees about or have more people that I might be able to bounce ideas off or have someone to refer to if a client of mine is looking for another sort of service. So that for me has been incredible because I'm definitely someone that needs like people around me. I hate working from home. Um, and I love being able to go to the office, even if we're all just quietly working, like just having people around me that I can chat to. Like you're interacting with the world. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like we, Gull and I speak about this a lot. Like we're obviously Mm co-founders and have each other, but sometimes it's really important to also get a perspective outside of a co-foundership. And I know you don't have a co-founder necessarily, but like you've got all these other creatives that are in kind of adjacent positions or like Mm -hmm. different industries so it's kind of good that you have that outsider perspective yeah Yeah, definitely and I I 100% always ask people for opinions I'm also like so indecisive like the most indecisive (laughs) person I know so if I have to make a big decision my brain is like but what if it's the wrong one so I will always like spend too long making decisions which is also a fault Mm. but it's because I will go and like ask people for their opinions or what they think. And I think, yeah, having someone that is completely like fresh set of eyes looking in, often they're the best people to give you the answer Mm. because they're not like wrapped up in their head about it. And it's also someone that's not your family because I feel like when you ask family and friends, they're like, yeah, good, amazing. Yeah. And we're like, give us more, please. (laughs) We've stopped asking friends and family like what they think often. They're too kind. They're They're too too kind. Give us, be rough with us. Like tell us what we need to do better. You need like anonymous reviews for that. Yeah. They always (laughs) say like the customers that complain are always your best customers because yeah that's how you know what what you're doing wrong if if you're always going to get just the people who are loving your product mm. you're not really yeah, you're learning not what learn to do better much. yeah that's very true yeah but, anyway. but speaking of working with friends and family <laughs> yes. Elise, you now work with your husband I do he's a new employee of Bossy he's Coffee. a new employee he's um we're finding our feet no it's been really really good so my husband is a graphic designer And we always assumed that eventually one day he would join Bossy because it just makes sense. Mm. Um, And I really want to create a life, as everybody does, that has like more freedom and flexibility. And because we're both from Queensland, just being able to like go there for a couple of weeks and work while we're there, um, that sort of stuff is really important to us. So we just decided to take the leap. And I was like, do you know what? We'll just try it. And if it doesn't work, who really cares? Like you can just go and get a job somewhere else. Um, But I think just giving it a crack is always a good idea. Um, So yeah, it's been interesting because originally we thought he would just be working on design, but because it's kind of like his business as well, in a way, he's more open to doing other things. Mm -hmm. So like he's been really great for helping me with the boring stuff that I'm not good at, like Facebook ads and funnels and anything more analytical. So I can focus on more of the creative stuff, Mm. which has been awesome. Yeah. It's so interesting when you bring someone that you're close with on a personal level to in a business sense, Mm. not to bring us into this, but Em and I were like friends for so long before we started this. And I feel like that adds such a strong element to the business kind of yeah dynamic yeah exactly because at the end of the day you know who he is outside of being a graphic designer and you know how to talk to him in a way that is helpful for both of you yeah and I feel like for you guys when you're 
friends first it's so great because you can be yourself and you can be your true self around that person you can you're more open with like sharing ideas or giving like Mm. your honest thoughts on things so I think it can be like a really great advantage if you actually know the person on a deeper level yeah and as you said like you know why you're obviously kind of helping build so many other people's brands like why not kind of get all hands on deck and build your own brand. Exactly. And like, you know, when he was working in his previous role, I'm like, well, why wouldn't you come across and you can do that inside Bossy instead? And we can try and like take on design work. But even if we don't want to go down that path, like you can help me build Bossy instead of building that other agency that you're working at. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been, it's been really good. And just having two people that are super flexible with what we do and being able to like work together and tinker with things and see what's Mm. working what's not and having both of us like really invested in it being a success yeah because you know if you're an employee in a business obviously you're going to be a hard worker but you're probably not going to be as invested in its success as the person that started it yeah so now having both Ben and I that really want to make it happen so it eventually gives us like the freedom and flexibility we want is really Mm. great can you maybe speak to like a project that you have been working on I guess with Ben or with your team that's been like I don't know I just kind of want our or like our listeners to understand what maybe a project that you're doing looks like yeah and yeah I would love to hear maybe one that you've really enjoyed working on yeah sure There's been so many. I actually really love working with small businesses like that are run by just like one female. (laughs) I feel like I get along with them. I understand what they're trying to achieve. Um, So I do work with a lot of small businesses, but we've also worked with a lot of like amazing businesses like Mecca and Style Runner and Fonda and brands that are like more my vibe. You know, they might be in fashion or they're in beauty or they're in food, um, but they've definitely they're willing to push the boundaries a little bit more and have a bit more fun with it. So I love working on brands like that because it's like, well, first of all, they're like epic brands, but also just being able to really flex our creativity and have fun with it. One we just wrapped up was with Cheese on the Money and that was so fun because, again, we were just vibing. Like we are just Mm. on the same wavelength and it was for their rebrand that's just launched. So we basically like rewrote all of the website copy essentially to just like reflect their new slightly more grown-up vibe Mm. um so that's like a clear example of what we'll do we'll basically like chat with them we'll quiz them on what their brand or personality looks like going forward um and in that case it was less you know it was very tied to softness and being besties and we Mm. wanted to kind of like grow it up a little bit more so Mm. we basically rewrote the whole website to just reflect that new direction And then I guess you help them with, because it's obviously it's ongoing. They have to post all the time. Mm. Do you give them like a a kind of like a copy kit of what words to use and captions? Yeah, we do if it's in a tone of voice. That's like our our massive project. So basically if a client does go ahead with a tone of voice, that becomes like their brand Bible. So we'll essentially come up with that really strong voice or that character. We usually give them like a couple of concepts to choose from to see like which Mm. one is really resonating with them Mm. and that's like our little internal process that we've created like here's your little choose your own adventure vibe like which one is speaking to you and then once they've picked their direction we'll then compile their brand bible so we'll include things like words we do and don't use 
um, lyrics that really like speak to the new personality or direction. We'll have brand personality traits. We might uh, profile their audience. And then the second half of the brand Bible is like copy samples. So like, this is how we would write Instagram captions. This is how we'd write emails. This is how we'd write your website copy or your packaging. So basically they've got this like kit that they can pick up at any point and mm. help them write their copy and content. Very helpful. Mm. So we'll get into bossy copy in particular. How did creating your own agency come about you started it in 2016 Mm -hmm. what's the story behind founding that agency and business yeah it's funny because I feel like people when they start a business it's like okay we're having launch day and we're Mm. now open for business I've quit my job and now I'm starting with this but it wasn't like that it wasn't like I had a big ribbon and I like cut it on (laughs) open day it was like I was definitely still very much in my Westfield day job Mm. um so yeah I was working for them I think three or four days a week still And I remember thinking to myself, like, how can I, what am I going to do next? Because I was definitely getting a bit exhausted by styling, if Mm. you know, you know. And I was thinking, what is my next move? I'd been there for six years. It was kind of time to do something else. And I didn't really know what copywriting was, but I knew it was like writing for brands, essentially. And when I kind of looked across the landscape, I felt like the only options were either really cheesy and pink or they were like super traditional and outdated and like gray and blue. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I think that I could add something here. I could add a bit of spice keeping in mind, this is 2016. Like there is so many copywriters and copywriting studios now, but at the time I didn't feel like there was anything bold or attention grabbing or colorful um, and creative. Like, yeah, I feel like that was, was the minimalist years. Yeah. It was very like, confetti Mm. and everything was pink and about like increasing your sales there was Mm. just yeah I just felt like I kind of looked around and thought all the things that are missing are kind of what I could bring so I thought as well that it might give me a bit more consistency like freelance writing is not very consistent so I thought maybe that would be a better career path for me to go down especially if I can make it more creative because I'm not interested in having like a corporate job or it being Mm. all about like sales copy um, or technical copy. So yeah, I started kind of tinkering with the idea of copy and thinking, what about if I take my writing style from my blogs and my freelance writing, which is very conversational, creative, a bit cheeky and apply that for brands instead. Mm. Um, So that was pretty much it. And then because I was a contractor at Westfield, I was able to go back to them every year and be like, can I do three days a week now? Can I do two days a week now? Can I do (laughs) one day a week now? (laughs) Like I definitely had a safety net. I've always been quite like measured with what I do in terms of business anyway. because yeah, I wasn't the sort of person, I didn't have enough money or a safety net to be able to just quit my job and start this business. So I kind of just tapered off my old job. I paid a thousand dollars for a website from a friend. I gave it a name and then that was it. I just tried to start taking on clients, but then even so, like after I'd started and I was only with Westfield, maybe two days a week, I was still very much styling. Like I would do freelance styling work or I would do like freelance articles 
and just do the occasional like copywriting project until I really kind of built it up. Mm. It's also interesting still to me that you say that you didn't really know what copywriting was when you started. I I like almost want to reword that and say that you kind of invented almost like a new area of copywriting at the time so that's probably it's almost yeah, like instead that of that sounds better yeah <laughs> and use that from now on yeah I do always have an issue with calling myself a copywriter because I feel like I don't I I call myself a creative copywriter because I feel like that sort of implies a little bit better what we yeah. do especially with like tone of voice yeah. and it's more about creative writing versus like SEO and sales but Mm. there is like I don't really know how else to describe what I do but yeah it's definitely more creative so I'm going to use that from now on. (laughs) You're an inventor. (laughs) So who was your first client? How did you kind of land that? I think my very first client was Core Plus, the Pilates studios. I love Core Plus. And they were just starting out. I know now I'm a member at Core Plus, which is so funny. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I wrote that sign. Um, <laughs> but they only had one studio and they were starting to get more franchises. So love them because they gave me a chance. I'm pretty sure I probably would have had some other little small businesses at the time. I remember working on like a tone of voice project for I won't say who but a massive tone of voice project that took me weeks and they just like never paid me oh no (laughs) so I've definitely had like times like that where people have ghosted me that was a definite thing in the beginning um but yeah core plus I'd say was my first like big client like I did a tone of voice project wrote a lot of like the class descriptions and the website copy and things like that that's a really good explanation for the listeners like a class description is also copy. Yeah, like so many you, things. How do you convince someone to book into this class mm, and like yeah. what can they expect? And yes, again, like anyone can kind of summarize something, but if we want it to be on brand and we want to be speaking to the target audience in a way that they really connect with and resonate with, then it has to be written in a certain way. Yeah, and I think we were, again, we were speaking, we spoke a lot off mic <laughs> while I was sorting out my crisis with the SD cards. But um, Elise, you said that it's, um, you even, I just think this is really genius. That's why I want to share it with our listeners. But you even kind of scour LinkedIn and look like, oh, who's looking for a copywriter? I like do. that is such a genius way to um, find clients. Yeah, I stalk people. And then <laughs> in, an, in a cute way, not yeah. in a scary way. <laughs> um, I just think that is a really great way to find like work. Like mm. if you're a freelancer and you see that they're, is a brand looking for, say, it's graphic design and they're looking for a part-time employee, then why not just like introduce yourself, share your portfolio, even position yourself as like an interim solution while mm. they're finding the perfect person. Yeah. So I've done that a couple of times. And people probably don't even realize that a lot of the time they do just need that contracted work. And as we were saying before, you set them up with a brand tone and then like potentially off they can go with exactly. that, in- that information. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a good way to just like see what's happening and just like introduce yourselves to new brands because you never know. Even if someone doesn't take you up on it at the time, then you're just you're planting yourself in their mind. Yeah. yeah. They'll know that you exist now if they Yeah, if they you hear again. your name again, they'll be like, yeah. "I've heard of them before." Exactly. Elise, you also have a team, and we'd love you to walk us through kind of like the first hire and what is it like managing a team because I feel like that's just a natural next step in business, whether you like it or not. Even yeah. if you come from such a creative background, you just have to have a team and delegate mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, and also just to butt in, you also have to kind of 
give off some of your business to someone else yeah. in a way, which is like, you've obviously, again, got such a specific brand tone. So it was even that difficult of like teaching that to someone. Yeah, new. especially because it's kind of based on my writing style and my personality. So it's like, yeah, it's interesting. I love hearing about people's teams as well, because I have always had this like, not sure what the next step to take is. And I know lots of people feel the same way. Like, is it time to hire someone or am I better off just doing it myself and saving the money? Um, I remember in 2020 was the first time I started thinking I need some help. I have heard a fact that you should hire someone if you're at 120% capacity. Mm. So I'm pretty sure I was at like 250% capacity <laughs> at the time. Um, and it was just like work was picking up, you know, word of mouth was spreading. We were getting more inquiries. And so I wanted to hire people, but copywriting is so project based. Mm. We could have a really busy month and then have a really quiet month. Someone mm. might ask us to do their website copy and then they're like, see you later. I never need you again. Um, mm. so I didn't really want to go hiring staff, especially full-time staff, if they didn't have anything to be doing after this busy patch. So that's when I also started thinking, how can I expand, but in a more bossy kind of way? I have this mantra that is, what would bossy do? <laughs> and bossy probably wouldn't just hire full-time staff. So I came up with the bossy super group and that's basically like our freelance network. So mm. I put a job out up and I had like 250 freelance writers apply wow. because it's like the dream you know yeah. they're finding work for you and you're getting paid to do the mm, work true. it's like having a I'm a pimp I'm a copy <laughs> pimp um, so I, I basically started there and had a really good tight team of freelance writers some of which we still work with today and essentially it meant that I wasn't committing to paying their salary. Mm. It was just, you know, if a project comes in and it suits your tone of voice, obviously we're creative copywriters, so we value the tone more than anything, then we'll reach out and we'll let you know the brief, the deadline, the budget, and if you're keen, you can you can take yeah. it on. So obviously they're like bossy approved, you know, I've handpicked everyone myself and I feel like that they're the level of talent that I would hire but they're just working from their pajamas in yeah. their bedroom instead. Oh, what a dream. But did you have to like teach them Bossy's tone or did you handpick people because you liked maybe their writing style or yeah. like who they were as a person? Probably more so the latter. So I definitely hired people based on their tone and their creativity. So I didn't ever say like you need to have studied writing <laughs> yeah. or journalism. I don't really care. But just like show me some samples of your work. And if I feel like it'll be a good fit for us, then mm. we, and it was just so funny because the applications that I got, like someone wrote me a short story, someone created like a Spotify playlist. And so wow. when you read the titles, it made like a letter. That's amazing. So creative. creative. But then some would be like really bland and professional. So I'm like, you obviously haven't done your research and seen what the bossy voice is all mm. about. So that's already like a red flag for me. Yeah. So I would look at the people that obviously knew they had to be really creative and out of the box and had like a really interesting style. It's not to say everyone was really bold and cheeky because we do definitely get projects that don't want that. Yeah. yeah. So I made sure that I had people that were more premium or more sophisticated or more emotive so that when we had a project in, we would be like, okay, this would be perfect for you know, yeah. whoever it is. Um, and then later on in that year, I was basically kind of like 
doing my own copy, but I was also the middleman. Like once I had the freelancers, I, it was just such a busy time. I would spend until like 3 PM, like briefing writers and teaming up writers to different projects and sending documents. And once three o'clock came, I was like, okay, I think everyone has everything they need. Now it's time for me to start like my copy. Mm. Um, and that didn't last very long. I was like, I'll just do this for as long as I can. And then in December, 2020, I hired my first employee who is a Sheeta, who you guys would have spoken to. And she's basically like the projects manager. So she just makes sure everything is like running smoothly does all the briefs, does all the scheduling. And now we've got like a couple of copywriters in in house as well. And you also said that you say to yourself, like, what would Bossy do? Is Bossy the brand character for you? (laughs) Yeah, kind of. I always say that Bossy's like my alter ego. It's definitely my personality, but it's like slightly more bold, slightly cheekier, slightly funnier than I am. So it's like my style and my, my personality is the inspiration but I've kind of like dialed it up a little bit. It's so cool because you've almost like, well, like Bossy's the personal brand of your business. And it's Mm. like you think of a person being a personal brand, but this is like a brand has a personal brand. Exactly. Yeah. And it's still conversational. It's still like a person. It's not a character. Like, you know, I'm, I'm speaking as a person through the copy, but I do feel like it's kind of taken on a life of its own a little bit. And you also <laughs> said that you struggle to make decisions. So you, mm. what would Bossy do kind of helps that, I'm yes. assuming. Yeah, <laughs> and make sure that everything's like on brand always. Yeah. yeah. Well, something I'm thinking of, and I'm sure you are both also thinking throughout this conversation is, okay, when it comes to writing, something that has been taking over the internet is chat GPT and mm-hmm. AI. And how is that going to shape the writing industry and any words in general we can ask ChatGPT to write us a song in that tone and this tone yeah and I would love to hear your thoughts on the whole AI thing going on like yeah. should we be scared as humans I that AI is no, so powerful we shouldn't be scared I think in the beginning even I was a little bit scared because obviously everyone's like oh do you think like even somebody commented on one of my like Facebook posts or Instagram posts the other day and was like why what did they say? They were like, why would you bother if AI is just going to take your job? And I'm like, whoa, okay, calm down. <laughs> but um, I think in the beginning, yeah, everyone was a little bit apprehensive, even if they weren't saying so, because it is incredible technology, but I'm not really concerned anymore. I think the people that should be concerned are the people that don't keep up with it and they just stick their head in the sand. For a long time, I was like, don't really want to go down that path because why would I want a robot to write my copy when I should be doing it myself and I'm a human and I'm creative and I can do it better. But I think now I've started using it more as like an assistant. So I would never ask it to just like write my copy and then use that. But I think it can be amazing for things like researching a topic or brainstorming ideas, coming up with content angles for Instagram. Like yesterday I asked it to create 25 content ideas for a particular like content pillar. And then from there you can kind of like pick and choose what you want. It's also really great for creating like a first draft of something or creating like the bones of say an email, or if you're not, you know, how do I say this in a nice way? Or how do I say this in a delicate way or a professional way? Um, and even using it to like edit copy, looking for grammar and spelling and things like that. So I would use it in my toolkit, but I think everybody needs to be really on the ball with like, once it gives you the work, you have to know that 
first of all, it's really biased. It can be like a bit sexist at times. Like Mm. often the facts are just completely wrong. Mm. Usually it's like really cheesy. So it needs to be rewritten. It's often not very, um, doesn't have that human touch or that creative element. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it can be great for making your content faster and easier and even coming up with new ideas. But I think whatever it gives you, you need to really like get your red pen out and go over it with a fine tooth comb and make it sound more like you, make sure the facts are correct, make sure it's more creative and it actually sounds like a human. And I guess for content creators, it's like, if you want a video idea, ask ChatGPT, and that's a helpful way of using it. Mm. Yeah, or even like, you know, if you're writing an email to someone and you're like, I don't know how to frame this, I need to give like feedback. It can be good for, like I said, you know, take this email, how can I make this either more um direct or how can i soften this a little bit so yeah it's good to have as like a a writing tool but i don't think anybody should rely on it to completely write their copy for them yeah elise outside of everything you do what's maybe a hobby or passion that you could really talk about for hours i could talk about for hours and hours like anything spiritual like give me some ghost stories Mm. I know that's not a hobby. But I it's a hobby talking, for you. Yeah. <laughs> I was even talking to my husband about it. He's like, oh, definitely for you. Like, find someone who's like into tarot readings or mm. find someone that's like a psychic or has crazy dreams. Like, that is my favorite topic. I have a friend who would love to analyze you. Oh if my God, she put heard me that. in touch. <laughs> she is always telling me everything I do she's like oh it's because you're a Virgo like that's why you're doing that you're such a Virgo such type A so funny yeah I love learning about that stuff I do find like um you know one thing that I've been looking into lately is my human design I don't know if you guys know anything about this but it's basically you get a reading and it tells you why you do certain things and I do always feel like I resonate I'm like that is really me and it can help you in business and things like that as well, just knowing how your brain works. So, yeah, even though it's not really a hobby and I probably need to get a hobby, <laughs> I would say the one thing I can talk about for hours is, yeah, anything spiritual or just like I'm obsessed with the brain and how it works. Mm. Is that – would one of those tests be accurate though? Like what's it actually based off of? That's what I always think to myself because I'm, I'm hyper-analytical. So, yeah. like those things don't faze me too much. <laughs> as in I think it's it's always fun to like – learn things about yourself and try and understand your personality but like do you think they're are they based off anything like factual? I mean take it with a grain of salt I pro- <laughs> probably wouldn't make like a huge life-changing decision based on the moon yeah. um but I just think it's like a fun yeah it's just fun I yeah. remember yeah. um listening to a podcast I think it was Shameless with Zara and Michelle and they were saying how Sometimes when people maybe aren't religious or don't have a religion they believe in, they go to things like astrology and something mm. creative or something something to believe in that makes gives yeah. you purpose. That's interesting you say that because I had a therapist tell me once that even if you're not religious, having belief in something, having faith in something, whether it is like, yeah, it could be astrology or just like spirit, spirituality as a whole, it can be such an important part of your life because we all need to like believe in something Mm. so I think that's why a lot of people today that aren't really religious kind of turn to that sort of stuff because it gives them hope so do you believe in ghosts yeah I believe in ghosts (laughs) is there one here let's not go down that rabbit hole (laughs) I need to know there's actually one standing behind you (laughs) and also the room is locked oh my god (laughs) no now now it makes sense that you felt like 
like the door's gonna lock again i'm just kidding no all of my friends would just be like rolling their eyes because as soon as i find someone that has like a a crazy story i'm like give it to me like like i said earlier i'm just fascinated by people's stories whether it's like business or they've lived a really interesting life and i think that's like the journalist in me yeah always been really interested in like diving into things and investigating and stuff yeah Mm. well Well, em you said you were logical like dreams are something that does happen like i always think of them as so fascinating Mm. where do those moments and visuals come from dreams or even recurring ones like it's so fascinating Yeah. yeah dreams fascinate me but i've always had dreams like ever since i was little i've been like a big dreamer lots of nightmares like really intense vivid dreams so, yeah, that stuff fascinates me as well. Yeah. And also, like, disturbs me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, what's maybe the most interesting thing that you've learnt recently? I would have to say it would be my human design. Just off Talk the back of that. Um, I'm still kind of learning about it, but it's just something that I didn't really know anything about. And someone I know gave me a reading, and it's kind of like astrology. So if you like astrology, you probably enjoy human design, but it just tells you like how, like if you're really in alignment with your human design, like how you should be feeling. So like mind satisfaction, if I'm feeling really aligned with everything. And I think that's true. And even with like, if you're out of alignment, especially at work or in business, I will feel frustration, which I think is true. Whereas someone else might feel emotional, for example. Um, So it's just kind of like dives a little bit deeper into who you are, how you respond to things. And it's not like a roadmap for like, here, go and make all your decisions based off this, but it's just like a fun thing to mm. look through and see like why you might be feeling certain ways. And again, mm. it's purpose. Yeah. yeah. Like it's something to kind of structure yourself with yeah. and be like, oh, that's why I do that. Yeah. That's why I'm thinking this way or, yeah. okay, well, something's not working because I'm feeling frustrated so maybe i need to make a change mm. so if someone wanted to look into that where would you suggest they go? oh my gosh I oh god no i don't even know to be honest because i'm such a newbie and i just had somebody offer it to me but i feel like there's so many people it's like astrologists like there's so many people even on instagram or heaps of podcasts that you can listen to i feel like if you watch a few videos on tiktok the algorithm yeah. will already yeah. know it'll sort you out but is, yeah. is human does is that like a new word for I'm a tarot sure. reader i think it's more just like I think it's not Rebrand. new. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's new, but I think it's just gaining a bit of popularity at the moment. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but it's just like anything else, you know, if you were looking for tarot readers or whatever, Instagram and TikTok are just like a playground for that sort of thing. It's just mm. a bit of fun. Can you share a goal with Bossy that you're kind of working on right now? Where do you see it going and what do you want to do with it? Mm. I'm definitely have one major goal at the moment and that is to launch a new coaching program. So I posted this thing on Instagram a few weeks ago and it was about how I'm so done with seeing everyone at the moment that's like, you know, join my program and you can make seven figures in seven minutes Mm. or (laughs) they're like, I'm a millionaire and you can be a millionaire too, just like buy my program or pay $3,000 a month to be in my energy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a new thing at the moment. And I'm like, oh God. But, but do I get anything for that $3,000 or I'm just like, <laughs> just <new>? their energy. <laughs> um, and so originally at the start of the year, I really wanted to kind of take up bossy copy college, like create something above that. That was more of like an intimate group coaching thing, more for copywriters and creatives that want to create a business. Um, but so still, 
still creative, but more on the business side of things and the back end side of things. And I kind of went off it because I was like looking at what everyone else is doing. And I'm like, I'm not really vibing this like money conversation. And I feel like creatives especially have such a different set of priorities. We want to travel. We just want to have enough money to like make a living and buy our little iced coffee treats every day. (laughs) Like we're not really, the focus isn't like getting rich. Like most of us want to work with people because it lights us up, but also to help others and things like that. So once I posted that on Instagram and I got such an amazing response from it, I was like, okay, other people feel the same way. And it starts sort of started to like reignite the flame a little bit. So I'm planning to start working on it later in the year, but basically just have some sort of coaching program where kind of like we were saying before, being surrounded by other creatives Mm. that you can Um, ask ideas and just vent to every now and then or help each other build your businesses side by side. But then also me being able to explain like what I did with Bossy, you know, how to carve out your niche, how to find your voice, how to price your packages, um, how to get over like mental blocks or how to set up like systems and processes. Cause I feel like there's a lot of programs out there that are really focused on just scaling and making money. Mm. And so I really want to create something that's a bit more focused on the creative side of things. Yeah. And just on, I guess, like working out how to price yourself Mm -hmm. as a copywriter. I mean, you didn't come from a previous business working in copywriting. Yeah. How did you navigate that world when you kind of first started? I have no idea, to be honest. Um, Because you kind of learn as you go. Yeah, definitely learn as I go. And I think also knowing, you know, when I started working with freelance writers and inviting them to work with Bossy, Uh, It was a bit of trial and error. Like I obviously would hear what their rates were. Mm. So I would be able to see like what the general consensus was for say like a mid-level copywriter or a senior copywriter. And by that stage, I definitely like figured out my own pricing. But I think in the beginning, I definitely was like probably a seventh of what I charge now Mm. because I was just testing it out. Mm. Yeah. Um, I still probably included like tons of value. But um, I think an advantage was because it was my first copywriting job, I could price things how I wanted and I could include as much value as I wanted. And I remember writers saying to me, oh, I've worked with this agency and I feel like you add so much more value into your projects. So I got feedback on certain things and then over time I've just like increased my prices like everyone should. And I feel like when money isn't the goal or the the driver – you are more creative. You do add more value and the money just comes when it, when it is time for it to come. Yeah. And I think you learn, like, you know, you might get to the end of the year and be like, you know, I feel like I've leveled up a little bit or I've like expanded my skill set, or I've now got all these projects under my belt. It's probably time for me to increase my prices a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's basically what I do every year. I just reassess. Mm -hmm. Is there packages that I should remove Is there certain deliverables that aren't working that I can take out? Um, Is there something that people keep asking for that I can introduce? And just often with copywriting, it's purely based on like time and how long we'll need to write it. So that's basically where I start. Mm. And we, I hate to keep saying this, we, we did mention this kind of, we were speaking about this off mic. Um, like it's <laughs> You guys kind of, had a nice, nice we long chat. We had recorded it. Yeah, yeah, no, seriously. Should have hit record. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was kind of saying to you that, you know, like you've, you're either going to, and 
for you, it's like either you go down a subscription-based mm. kind of model with your business or you become an agency. And for you, like, well, subscription is such a great model because, you know, you create something once and then it's dupl- yeah. duplicatable. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. Did you always have that in mind of, like, wanting to create one product and then have it be able to be repurchased? Mm. I wish that I had that idea sooner mm. um, because I definitely feel like diversifying your services or your income is what can take the business to the next level, especially if you're a service provider, you're a writer, you're a graphic designer, you're a florist, you're an interior designer, whatever it is. There's only so many hours in the day. And if you're only working with clients, you're always going to be capped. Yeah. Even if you're working nights, you're working weekends, like first of all, that's not sustainable, but you are only going to be able to reach a certain level. And so I think it wasn't until maybe like five years in when I was just working with clients, I started toying with the idea of uh, even having resources, like really affordable, like copy templates or eBooks that people could buy. That's a really great way to like test the waters or masterclasses that people can download and watch later. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, it was probably about six years into Bossy that I decided to do the course That was really born from a place of like, we would always get inquiries from people who were starting their business, but they couldn't afford all the things they wanted. They wanted the cool packaging. They wanted the name. They wanted the character behind the brand. They wanted the website copy, all of that, but that would end up costing thousands and thousands. Mm. So the course for me was really a way to give them the same in-house processes that we offer but packaged up in more of like a DIY format that's way more affordable for them. That's what I would have loved when I was starting out. So now that I've kind of had the course for a couple of years, I'm like, why didn't I do something sooner? Obviously, Mm. I probably didn't have the knowledge and experience to start any sooner. But even having, you know, options for people, whether it's like coaching sessions or um, strategy days or writing days or something that, you know, they don't just have one option to work with you. There's a couple of different price points and packages that they can choose from. Mm. It's really clever. Like that's, you always are wanting to kind of create an ecosystem of, I don't know, services or something, as you just said, like different offerings. Mm. Um, so I thought that, yeah, I think that's really clever. Yeah. And I also think just on that, even having like a mini course that's really affordable can be helpful for people to learn on a budget, but it also helps them like learn about your brand. And they think, well, if this is really amazing and it was $50, what's the big course going to be? So maybe I'll do that next. So I've had heaps of people come through my Instagram mini course that have then gone on to do Bossy Copy College because Mm. it's the natural next step. And they learn so much about copy and realize the value of it and the creativity behind it. So they're ready to... yeah apply it to their whole brand rather than just their Instagram. Yeah. A risk-free way. Exactly. To up. Yeah. Well, Elise, we've loved having you on the podcast. Thank you. I've loved being here. Thank you so much for coming and waiting 45 minutes <laughs> for me to sort out my stuff. It's okay. We had a nice little relax in the lounge room. <laughs> yeah. chat. But thank you for being so chilled while my we pleasure. were like frazzled looking for these I SD know, cards. I know what it's like. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Em and I, I'm I'm sure you're thinking the same, but I'm like, so what's our brand character? (laughs) Like, we need to, like, redo all our copy, all our branding. I know. Ever since speaking with you on emails, I'm like, all right, I need my own tone of voice when I'm emailing different people. We need to be more creative. That's so funny. No, I think if you're the – it has to be you guys. Like, that's the biggest takeaway is that if you are the person behind your brand – 
then use your personality. That's like my biggest tip. What we were saying is like we always like are laughing and making jokes. And then when we hit record, I feel like, as Em said, people think we're really serious. And of course, it's like a business podcast. It's more on the serious side. But even from day one, we've always wanted to make it like clever but fun or like making finance and business fun but anyway I digress yeah, but I think as well because you're here to like tell someone else's story yeah but people would be so interested to see just like the behind the scenes you know you are laughing all the time or you have heaps of bloopers or <laughs> like even just having that rolling I feel like would be so fun to watch yeah yeah we, we need to get on to those good takeaways really yeah. good takeaways thank you and I feel like our listeners have a jam-packed list of really good value and yeah. tips to take away from this. I agree. I'm glad. Well, you can always come and find me on Instagram if you want more tips. I'm always in the DMs. Yeah. Yeah, we were just about to ask you where, if our listeners maybe want to find you and Bossy online, where can they search? Yeah, definitely Instagram is like the best place to start. So that's at bossycopy.coach. I'm always DMing people. That is where I write my blog posts every single day, which I've just figured out a blog post, so I might stop doing that soon. (laughs) Um, Or you can find us at bossycreative.com as well. Amazing. Well, Elise, thank you again for coming on the podcast. But otherwise, we'll catch you in our next episode. Bye. You have been listening to a Clever Media production. Clever Media acknowledges the traditional owners of the land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. We pay our deepest respects to elders past, present and emerging. Liked this episode? Let us know about it. And don't worry, we have plenty more. So hit that subscribe button and listen wherever you get your podcasts. But want to take it that little bit further from your ears to your eyes? Then go find us as Clever Women Co. on TikTok and Instagram for that extra clever content we know you'll love. Catch you next time.